0: what is up everyone welcome into the fight hq preview for ufc vegas 71 which of course goes down here on saturday night of course was, uh saturday night in las vegas first time we've been in the apex in a while heavyweight main event in this one pete how you doing bro hey pete you're there
1: yep I'm here
0: okay yeah you you were uh, you were muted there for a second so I was like really? I, I, I saw your your lips moving so I was like he's definitely talking he's definitely talking
1: <laughs> well all I said was what's up everybody thanks for joining us uh happy to be at the at the apex and uh, I like the apex personally it just provides a different element the apex definitely served its purpose um, but now we're starting to see the UFC branch out too other venues um but yeah i'm excited it's a smaller cage so and we have a big heavyweight wrestler in curtis plate so i'm interested to see your take on some of these fights and uh, definitely our community's take as well
0: yeah i was just uh i know we were muted there for a second so hopefully everyone can uh, hear us now
1: yeah i, I, <laughs> no,
0: had, to pull, no I had to pull up stream just to just make sure I, I i'm hearing you i was like okay all right we, we are definitely uh, we are there
1: It's all good, brother. It's all good. It's been a long week for both of us, so uh, happy to be able to finagle this show and get on here and uh, still break it down for you guys. And, you know, if you're not a part of the Discord, make sure you guys join the Discord. It's in our profile. Um, And, uh, you know, that's where you can ask us questions throughout the week and especially on fight day
0: yeah of course uh I will be out of town this week and this is why we're actually doing the show here on, on a Thursday so appreciate Pete uh, I know I know life is a lot more crazy for Pete than it is for me I, I definitely know that is the case of course so we'll have a DraftKings contest I'll put it, uh, I'll create that contest here later on today uh, congratulations to Texas advo 1991 taking down the contest I believe this is uh, the, this person's won the contest now a couple of times in a row last week uh, yeah my cash score lineup absolutely sucked.
1: <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. If you had one winning fighter, uh, a part of your optimal lineup. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a weird week, right? Like super volatile, um, hit some bold calls. So the bold calls definitely, you know, paid off for me, which was fantastic. Pedro Munoz basically bailed me out out of some poor exposure, uh, on certain fighters. Uh, Ian Kutalaba really screwed me over as far as just kind of fading him. um, But all in all, it was a successful week, especially for the community members.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, be sure to join that Discord channel over there. Totally free to join. Great conversation that we have in there. But Pete, let's get right into this fight card. We got a heavyweight main event here. Curtis Blaze taking on Sergey Pavlovich. Curtis Blaze is a minus 175 betting favor, plus 150 for Sergey Pavlovich. Uh, as we do this show, or at least when I looked a little while ago, FanDuel would not put the, put the salaries out. But of course, DK salaries are out. Curtis Blaze, 8,800, 7,400 for Sergey Pavlovich. And, you know, I, I think just looking at this from a, a salary aspect, Pete, it's just going to be hard to avoid. I think either one of these guys, we we know Curtis Blades is one of the elite of this division. Now he just hasn't been able to get into that top 3 of this division, but we know what he can do with his wrestling. But man, we know the power of Sergey Pavlovich has and at 7400 how, how can you not have a decent amount of both of these guys?
1: Yeah, for DFS, I think this fight is unavoidable personally. Um five-round nature surrounding a heavyweight wrestler is pretty unheard of so we have curtis blades sitting there at 8800 expensive price tag uh, but not really you know when you take his ceiling into consideration on the flip side we have a very cheap sergey pavlovich who can totally put out curtis blades as lights um has fast hands good power relatively untested in the wrestling department heading into this crazy step up of competition against curtis blades right uh, you go back and you look at his tail of the tape, you see Taito Ivasa, striker. Derek Lewis, striker. Shamil Durohimov, punching bag. Maurice Green, not really sure, a little bit of a striker, a little bit of a jiu jitsu guy. Uh, Marcelo Gome, striker. Alistair Overeem, when Alistair Overeem hits you with an outside trip, um, he's a very well rounded mixed martial artist. But, uh, you know, the, the, the ground and pound really was the difference maker in that matchup. And I, I do think a, a fighter in Curtis Blades who has ever improving striking could land a takedown resulting in tons of control time what happens if sergey pavlovich is outside of round one haven't really seen him uh taxed in the cardio department does he respond well does he not i don't really want to plant my flag on a fighter that i have so many question marks surrounding he may have good takedown defense now in here 2023 i know he's at american top team uh or mixing in some some uh training at american top team heading into this fight against curtis blaze out of uh, team elevation but I, I have to still side with Curtis Blades here, given the ceiling, given the takedown nature, given the fact that he's 12-3-1 in the UFC, and we have Sergei Pavlovich, 5-1, and one, relatively untested in the most important aspect in mixed martial arts in the wrestling department. Um, you know. And I, I do think that the clinch game against the cage could just wear on Pavlovich. And then in round two, you see the steam kind of you know, getting taken out of his punches and the power, the zip, everything's gone and he's still dangerous. But I think that we could see Curtis blades break the slate. But, you know, with all that being said, 7,400 Sergei Pavlovich going to be one of the most prioritized underdogs on the slate, given the volatility of Curtis blades, chin. chin. Um, if you crack him with a good combination, good shot, we've seen him knocked out time and time again. Yes. He, it's, it's kind of weird because sometimes he can absorb those strikes um, we've seen him absorb strikes against Jerzy and uh, pick up wins over Chris Dawkins, my boy Tom Aspen all due to injury. But like all in all, I, I still have to side with Curtis Blaze here at eighty eight hundred and I I don't think I'll have a lineup without one of these fighters in, in you know, a part of it.
0: Yeah, I mean I might be fifty percent on this fight, you know, maybe not maybe not 50, Maybe I go like forty to 45% on each fighter just because of, I, I think it's going to be hard that this fight doesn't end up optimal. I mean, you know, as one of the people in uh, Joe mentioned in the chat saying, you know, hopefully blaze uh, goes to take down city here. I mean, that's his clear path. I, I will tell you this. I did get a laugh when I was looking at the, uh, the prop bets here. Curse blade should be way, well, well North of plus 900 to win by submission, because I don't know if he knows how to do submissions.
1: You know, it's crazy because like he, he has good training partners surrounding him and coaching staff that can implement it. Maybe this is the time he finally does it, right? Like, maybe, but, you know, <laughs> Dude, I, how many times have we really seen opportunities present itself and he just chooses not to? And I think the one thing you can point to uh, uh, and pick apart of Curtis Blaze's game is like, well, he took down Volkov for so much for that 25 minutes of fighting. Um You know, and he had 19 19 minutes and 52 seconds of control time and was unable to finish Volkov, who we've seen be susceptible on the mat in the ground and pound and also submission department, went 14 of 25 in the takedown department in that matchup. So if he doesn't finish Pavlovich, this is the typical volatility surrounding heavyweight where Pavlovich maybe stands up or maybe gets fresh, you know, in between rounds and it just lands a shot and it's over. So... I'm still picking the better minute winner, Curtis Blades.
0: Yeah. If you remember that fight where Blades was just gassed yeah. after those four rounds because he worked so hard. I mean, th- there's just been times where you, you watch him fight and it's like, man, the neck is there, man. Just take it. Like, I mean, how many times yeah. I, I have conversations with fighters and, and you know, they talk about it like, you know, hey, you have a game plan, but something just presents itself and you take advantage of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at his entire body of work in the UFC. And he has zero submissions attempted. Zero submissions, uh, That's submissions crazy. attempted in UFC. So he has 16 UFC fights. And you know, there's a ton of control time and top position. The ground and pound that he put on Alistair Overeem, those elbows from guard was, were absolutely vicious. And I actually think that we could see a ground and pound finish here for Curtis Blades. I think it's the, the most common Mm -hmm. you know, path to victory for Curtis Blades.
0: No doubt about it. Now, your co-main event, of course, uh, it was initially supposed to be Ricky Simone and Song Yudong. That fight got moved to the main event of next week's card when the Sarukia Moncano fight got scratched due to Moncano pulling out due to injury. So our new co-main event is Brad Tavares taking on Bruno Silva. Brad Tavares, a minus 165 betting favorite, plus 140 for Bruno Silva. Brad Tavares, 8900 on DK, 7300 for Bruno Silva. And this is when I when I initially started looking at the salaries yesterday, there were salaries I looked at. I was like, Oh my God, like a $9,700 Montel Jackson. We'll talk about that matchup later of why, what kind of concerns me about that price point, looking at a 9,400 Bobby green. I can see how he can be optimal, but you know, a a big price tag. I looked at his price tag on Brad Tavares. And I mean, let's just, you know, we just have to look at the reality. Pete, Brad Tavares is a guy that majority of the time is going to go 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, Tavares is not a finisher by any means. He's an excellent fighter. He is so well rounded. He's so skilled. You watch him hit pads. You watch him train. You're like, damn, this guy's good. Looks like championship material. Um, in the octagon, he just does not find, you know, find finishes. He really doesn't. He can wrestle. He has solid take down the fence. Um, he can knock several people down, as he has done in the past. Omari Akmedov um, picked up a finish over Christoph Jaco. Knocked down Talislates. But, like, a lot of these fighters we're talking about aren't in the UFC anymore or they aren't uh, a top of the sport anymore. So I do think that father time is undefeated. Uh, the miles of Brad Tavares, um, you know, I, I think they could actually be catching up to him a little bit. And we have seen him look solid, but nothing spectacular. Um, I actually thought he was going to get finished against uh, Rodriguez Duplessis, but he didn't. 14-7 um, and 7 in the UFC. 8,900 price tag, complete contrarian play. Uh, I, I think the ownership is reflective of that. And if you go to him, it's just a, a pivot off of some of these high-owned fighters that could possibly uh, underperform. I'm expecting Brad Tavares to you know, be winning the fight until Bruno Silva hits him with some big combination. Mm-hmm. We did see Bruno Silva go back and forth with Alex Pereira. I will say that Bruno Silva's most recent performance against Gerald, Gerald Mearshart is not the Bruno Silva I expected in the UFC. I don't know if it was a poor weight cut, sickness, not being there mentally, dealing with the Southpaw, whatever it was, Gerald Muirchart's like threat of taking him down and subbing him and the fact that he was kind of he's improved so much striking, I think it threw off Bruno Silva um, and I, I'm just gonna kind of forget about that fight hopefully. And I'm going to think that Bruno Silva is going to be one of my favorite underdogs here at 7,300. I just think it's uh, I'm in love with the price tag. I really am. Uh, he he keeps his chin up there. He can easily get knocked out. But we did see him go to war against Alex Pereira, and I I think that he's going to uh, going to land some big shots and win this fight against Brad Tavares at 7,300.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's just more about a price tag thing when it comes to Brad Tavares. I mean, I, I understand why he is the favorite here, but I think it's just when, when I'm thinking about GPPs and, you know, when I'm looking at this from, say, 8,700 and above. He's just one of those guys. I just don't feel like I'm going to get to it. And kind of the ownership projections right now is reflecting that. Next, move over. Next up, we got Bobby Green taking on Jared Gordon. Bobby Green, 9,400 on DK, 6,800 for Jared Gordon. Bobby Green is a minus 260 betting favorite, plus 210 for Jared Gordon. And uh we'll let everyone know that me and Pete were kind of talking about this fight before the show started. And, you know, talk about the price tag of Bobby Green. And one of my thoughts with Bobby Green is, I mean, like, look, I think Bobby Green should win this fight. But it's yep. like, what is the path to being optimal? I kind of feel like his path to being optimal is just, you know, lighting up Jared Gordon for three rounds and getting a late finish.
1: Yeah, I mean, the price point in 9400 he has to do something besides, you know, just win a typical Bobby Green fashion fight. Um, you know, even 100 points flat or 105, I don't think does it enough. It's all reflective of the slate and depending on the other fights and their performances. But I, I just personally don't think 105, you know, would do enough at 9400 for Bobby Green. Now this is a complete salary play for Jared Gordon, and I, I like Jared Gordon. He's you know a, a friend of mine and former roommate of mine when we we trained out in New Mexico. So I'm going to be rooting for Jared Gordon like crazy, and I don't think it's the craziest thing to think he he wins a decision here. He makes. All of, all of his fights are extremely competitive. Um, he is hittable on the feet. He has improved that since he's been at Sanford MMA and Kilcliffe FC now. Um, his striking has developed. His pace, his volume is always up there. And you take all that into consideration with a guy in Bobby Green who plays with his food. We could see one of these 6,000 fighters in Jared Gordon pull off this upset. So um, I don't think it's the craziest thing. Also, Bobby Green... Is coming off of back-to-back TKO finishes, um, you know, the Islam Makhachev TKO finish, the Drew Dober uh, actual knockout. Um, you know, he, he keeps his hands down in the media. He says nothing's going to change with his fighting style, which is like, I don't know. As a coach, it's just like you should be making some adjustments, <laughs> especially when you make significant mistakes like that. But his fighting style has made him who he is. Everybody likes to, you know, to watch him. His hands being low creates funky angles mm-hmm. for his punches to come from so they, they come from unorthodox angles and it's tough to pick up on so hands from the hips is a great starting point for defending takedowns because your arms are right there for underhooks in addition to that, your straight shots come at you know in upward trajectory so it's hard to pick up on and hard to see. I really do see, the straight punches being a problem for Jared Gordon for some of the fight but i really think Jared's very good at pressing people against the cage you know pressuring them to begin with getting them on the back foot getting them in the space that he's most comfortable with um so like as when i take salaries into consideration Bobby Green is not really known for his finishing ability either he can wrestle so i don't think like Jared Gordon's going to have a significant advantage in the wrestling department but I think it could be could come down to volume and effectiveness. And, you know, you don't want to be with a ninety four hundred fighter in a close fight or one that could arguably go against him. So for salary's sake, I'll be going with Jared Gordon. For, you know, just rooting's sake, I'll be going for my boy Jared Gordon. I think it's a winnable matchup. And he's due for a finish. I just don't know if it's against the guy in, in Bobby Green who hasn't really been finished by many people in his entire career. Yeah you know, except as of late. So we'll see. But I I think Jared Gordon is going to be one of the most popular underdogs given the uh, playing with food nature that Bobby Green possesses.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things that if you're in a place where you can place a wager, um, I would just look at Jared Gordon via split decision.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, (laughs) you already know Bobby Green's Bobby Green fight split decision. So yeah, um, it's nice to sprinkle both sides of that, because for whatever, and that's that's exactly why I'm saying he's going to be popular at 6,800 is just because of, look at his past. Like, split decisions everywhere, you know what I mean? And I, I don't know, man. It, it's it's a close fight, especially in 2023.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it, but uh, to me, it's it's just that it's it comes down to a, a roster construction, and I, I don't – I could see – and, and I don't know what my cash score is as we currently do this show, but I could yeah. see a place where I could put Bobby Green in that just because of thinking he, he just lights up Jared Gordon and it's, you know, 100-plus significant strikes, maybe throws in a couple of takedowns, maybe gets that late finish. Uh, next up, we got a female matchup. You got Lucinda taking on Walker. Uh, Lucindo is a minus 340 betting favorite, plus 274. Walker, 9,500 and 6,700 over there. On the DraftKings side of the equation, we got another high-end uh, price tag here, Pete.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like these high-end price tags. I don't know what the heck's going on with, with DraftKings um, salaries lately, but you know, they last week made everybody hesitant of putting Zach Cummings in their lineup, and damn, that was that was a performance, especially one to go out go out on. Tons of knockdowns, tons of just damaging strikes, and result to a a late finish, and uh, that's where paying up for the free square on the slate can actually pay off and you know i don't think yasmin lucindo is that it's clearly montel jackson this week if you want to kind of look at it on paper but the potential that lucindo has within the flyweight division i think is pretty significant um she went you know tit for tat against yasmin jaura in her debut who's actually a very very talented fighter i think and a name that's going to be cracking into rankings in the next couple years um You know, she's known as a solid striker, but leaned on the takedowns or takedown attempts a little bit. Attempted two of them in the previous matchup. Threw 181 significant strikes. Pretty low accuracy. uh, Landed only 66. um, Lost a unanimous decision. So, now she's priced at 9,500. This could be a buy low spot for her opponent in Brogan Walker, but, you know, be very careful here because she did lose to Juliana Miller who, you know, won the ultimate fighter over her, but... You know, Juliana Miller just completely underperformed in her most recent fight and looked horrible. So it's like, wow, that loss didn't really – you'd like to see Juliana Miller go out there and pick up a, uh, a pretty decisive victory, you know, when you lose to somebody like that. And now it's a return fight for Brogan Walker. We got to see what she's capable of. She's talking about how she's feeling better than ever, typical media stuff. Um, you know, she threw 48 significant strikes, landed 30 um was taken down was put on her back was ground and pounded into oblivion it's a it's women's mma right like there's no way i'm gonna uncheck the underdog and brogan walker um similar to how we shouldn't have unchecked i forget what's her name was last week but she absolutely hit her with a big big punch in route to ground and pound so uh yeah brogan walker 6700 it's a salary play but I really think Lucindo's talented. I hate the price tag. I probably won't get to it much, but um, it's a Lucindo win for me.
0: You know, I always talk about every week here on the show of these 9,000 options that have low ownership. And yeah. that is something I'm going to pay attention to with Lucendo as the week goes on. If if it we're talking underneath 20% ownership with her, under 15% ownership with her, that's someone in GPPs. I'm going to want to target a little bit more just to get leverage on the field, and and that's yeah. where you know you can use ownership projections to your advantage of finding some of these fighters that you know just you, you believe are not getting enough ownership. You know, um, you know, there's just there are certain fighters I really don't want to get a broken walker in, in this. Match matchup but to me this would be more of an ownership play there now you know one of the questions we always get is favorite fights inside the distance and there's two fights three fights I really have this week we already talked about one of them being the main event another one of those matchups to me is Jeremiah Wells and Matthew Schmelzberger this is a straight up pick em fight minus 110 on the betting odds uh, but a little bit different story over on the DraftKings salaries 8400 for Jeremiah Wells 7800 for Matthew Schmelzberger and uh, this is one of the ones I think Pete we have to target just because I, I think this fight's over within ten minutes.
1: I think, I think that it's pretty clear early on who it favors, and it favors Jeremiah Wells. He's just a finishing monster. Trains out of Henzo Gracie, Philly. You already know my connection with that team, and how I always root for those guys. And they're just they're so so talented. Um, you know, second round finish for, against Worley Alves in his debut. Pretty tough debut. Uh, first round finish over Blood Diamond. Should have never been in the octagon in um, a first-round finish over Court McGee, who has been hittable but pretty durable uh, with all that being said. And, you know, you look at that and you see a guy who's so dangerous early on but also relatively untested after that 10-minute mark. And I want to see how he looks against a guy who has picked up some pretty notable wins. Like, Semmelsberg is one of those fighters that has completely surprised me. He really has. He throws a piston right hand down the middle. If you throw a lazy leg kick, he's gonna knock you right out. If you um, can't wrestle, he can wrestle. So uh, picking up a decision win over Carlton minus that beautiful right hand down the middle against against Jason Witt took damaging strikes from Chaos Williams, but ultimately lost that fight. Martin Sano destroyed him. AJ Fletcher win is really really significant for me because I'm pretty high on AJ Fletcher. Um, Alex Morono, massive step up in competition, still looked good, still scored 51 in that performance. But most recently, the biggest win of his career mm-hmm. is clearly against Jake Matthews, scoring 102 fantasy points. And he went to the takedown. Well, he, he picked up three of five takedowns, and Jake Matthews is a fantastic grappler in addition to three knockdowns. So there's some dynamite in the hands of Semmelsberger, and I think he's going to be the most popular underdog on the slate Um, next to – uh next to um sergey pavlovich and for good reason i'm going to be siding with semelsberger here despite my love for Hensel gracie philly um i just think that semelsberger five and two in the ufc more minutes in the octagon uh more he's tested in more areas than jeremiah wells who has found that the, the finishing blow and in, in all of his fights in the ufc but uh it's a fight that I'm going to have ton of exposure to Jeremiah Wells, but mm-hmm. you need an underdog to come through, and I think a ton of people are going to be on Samuelsberger for good reason, and a lot of a lot of the fight film and everything, and it, it's all going to point towards a Matthew Samuelsberger upset. So give me Samuelsberger here to pull off the upset.
0: And Smelsberg is one of those guys that I was completely wrong about. I mean, I just, I did not see this coming in. That Jake Matthews performance was just unbelievable with what he did out there. I think he just has to survive kind of that that five minutes of, of fury he's going to get for Jeremiah Wells, but I think if he can survive that, get this one in the second round, I think he wears down Wells and, and gets a stoppage victory. Next up, we got Ricky Glenn taking on Christos Yagos. Ricky Glenn, a minus 165 favorite, plus 140 for Christos Yagos. And then uh, Ricky Glenn, 9,000 on DK. Yagos 7,200. And and, uh, you know, this is one of these fights that me and Pete were talking about right before the show. And and the one thing that always scares you about Christos Jagos is you love the first round potential of maybe getting a stoppage. But what scares the living hell out of you is if he if this thing gets to the third round, and will that gas tank be there?
1: Yeah, I, I really like this matchup. Um, But I, I wonder uh, the ceiling about it. Like, I, I love it from a, a fan standpoint. I'm always rooting for Christos Jagos. I have no idea why. Um. He's five and six in the UFC, but I root for a ton of fighters out of Kilcliffe FC and Sanford MMA. And, you know, his, his development is, from everything I'm seeing in the training, you know, footage and everything, Chris Osjagos looks like he's, he's in a tough room. Kilcliffe FC is a very, very tough room. And um, you're going to be in good wrestling shape, which is great for him, for his prospect. You're going to be in good striking shape and have good defensive and offensive skills. Uh, because of Henry Hooft. I think that Christos Yagos is an excellent underdog this week. Um, round one, I would love to see what the odds for round one of, of Christos to win round one, um, because I think it's pretty, pretty high that he wins round one. Round two is where things can start getting interesting. It all comes down to his cardio, and will he have another cardio collapse, and he is somewhat of a liability in that department. If he if he wins round two, I really think that he can he can uh pull off the upset here. But we already know he's going to lose round three. Like Ricky Glenn's going to come back, come from behind. Um and that's why I just look at the numbers here and the salaries, and I just say it's a little too wide, in my opinion. I, I know the volatility surrounding Christos Jagos. But I'm gonna side with Christos Jagos to actually pull off the upset here over Ricky Glenn. Um but as far as like ceiling, I don't think Ricky Glenn has a high ceiling. Uh, you know, Christos could just be completely gassed and and get finished. Uh he was finished in round one against Armin Sarukian and round one against Tiago Moisés. So like why is why is he so um why why am I favoring him so much in round one? I just think it's a uh, a skill standpoint and also just the pace standpoint. He, he sets such a high pace in round one that he has fallen, you know, to defeat against some of the these higher skilled fighters like Sarukian and Tiago Moises. You can't really fault him for those, but against that, against that, you know, Ricky Glenn type of level fighter, I think that he's going to have a ton of success in round one. So give me Christos Yagos to win a decision here over Ricky Glenn. And, uh, not not a priority fight for me by any means. I think it could be like a 70-point win, but at that salary, I, I think it's enough to to sneak into a ton of my lineups.
0: And you mentioned about that round one, Christos Yagos, uh, seeing anywhere from plus 750 to plus 900 to him win in round one. By the way, just to throw out the Ricky Glenn wins in round three, uh, on the low end, plus 750, the high end, plus 1,400.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be sprinkling that. You guys already know, like, in addition to playing daily fantasy sports, there's money to be – if you can wager on sports betting, there's money to be made in MMA. And uh, live betting it, you see you're, – you're watching the fight and you see these live odds. You're like, I do not agree with that at all. Trust your gut. Throw some money down on them. And also kind of, you know, forecast how you predict the fight going. And around three, Ricky Glenn, like, that's – the odds on that are just completely, out. out you know, crazy.
0: Then, of course, our biggest favorite of the night is Montel Jackson. He's a minus 600 betting favor, taking on hani Yaya plus 430. 9,700 on DK, 6,500 for hani Yaya. And, uh, I mean, look, we we know about the size that Montel Jackson has. I mean, look, you can look at his re- what he can do wrestling-wise, but this is one of those fights beat of his corner. The, the, the game plan has to be Montel use your reach to your advantage, keep this thing on the feet and try and knock him out on the feet. Do not take this one to the ground.
1: Yeah. 100%. If he, if he engages in any clinch or any grappling situations with honey, you're playing with fire right there. And we have a massive favorite in Montel Jackson, who's actually favored to win by KO TKO at minus minus one fifty. And And I, I think that's fair, right? Like we've seen what he can do when he puts hands on you. He's, a knockdown machine. He he hits people; they fall down. One knockdown against uh, Julio Arce, four against J.P. Base, um, two against Jesse Strader, one against Brett Johns, and one against Felipe Colares. He has massive hands for the division. So when he hits you with those those hands on the feet, people go down. And uh, his wrestling is good. He's a good wrestler, but for whatever reason, his wrestling defense isn't as he's not as skilled in that department as he is offensively. Um and I don't know if it's like conserving energy or just not panicking, but he gets put in bad positions. And I'll tell you what, massive red flag when I see a 9700 fighter in 10-20 submission attempts from JP Bays. And we're talking deep submissions, like deep deep submissions, deep guillotines. Um different types of chokes. I personally think that you know, one time you get caught in it, okay. You get caught in it multiple times in the same fight in the same round or round after round. Clearly, there's some uh fight IQ mistakes going on, especially in that jujitsu department, and that's where a guy in Haniya can absolutely capitalize. 13 3 and 2. In the UFC, this guy's been around forever. I'm a massive Yaya fan. I have been ever since he was in the WEC. So I love Yaya. I love his jiu-jitsu. I love his skills. It's pretty clear if you can sprawl on him, um, not allow him to even pull guard on you and just feel comfortable in a jiu-jitsu type of scenario, you can sprawl and brawl like a Chuck Liddell type of finish against him where you just punish him on the feet, sprawl, back up, let him up. Don't even stay in his guard because he's so damn tricky. He'll go after arms, necks, legs. He'll go after everything with some of the best chain submission grappling we've seen in the UFC. So beware of a 9,700 Montel Jackson. This should be an easy win in 2023 for him if he is what we think he is. And I do think he's a pretty big prospect within the division. Mm-hmm. But all these red flags and the grappling situations that I saw makes me look at the exposure and see what the – Ownership level of Honey Yaya is. And I'll tell you what, I'm probably like five times-ing the the exposure and ownership of what everybody's doing on Honey Yaya. I think that there's massive submission upside here just given the the uh, defensive flaws I've seen in Montel Jackson's fight. So, yeah, ha, you know, hani Yaya could break the slate pretty easily here, but so can Montel Jackson. So I'm going to still pick Montel Jackson in the fight. But as far as like nobody getting to Hanayaya, I'll tell you what, I think that's a mistake.
0: No, I'm with you. I mean that that's a, when I looked at the ownership projection, that's something that stuck out to me. And and this is where if you're Montel Jackson, you got to use that eight-inch reach advantage in this matchup and, and yeah. just keep this thing at range and, and work your way there. Next up, we got a female 145-pound matchup as Carol Hosa moves up to 145, taking on Norma Dumont. Dumont minus 115, minus 105 for Carol Hosa. Uh, Dumont 8300 DK, 7900 over there on Hosa. I mean Norma Dumont, I, I don't think she could physically make 135, and so that's why you kind of see these in, her matchups in, in 145. Five pounds, but you know, I don't like you know, I'm seeing what the ownership projections of Carol Hosa are.
1: I, I yeah, it's crazy.
0: don't want to get there.
1: Yeah, I, I think the reason people are getting to Carol Hosa is just because of the volume and the takedowns, right? Like, massive ownership going to Carol Hosa. It's women's MMA. A ton of people want to go with the fighter who throws a lot, um, has a high work rate, and has a path to victory against Norman Dumont. We've seen Dumont get taken down. And lose before we've seen her get knocked out in the past um but i will tell you that i think this this fighter is kind of you know flying under the radar norma dumont's pretty damn talented uh when she beat aspen lad aspen lad was like atop top of everybody's list within a division um just given her weight cutting issues and just kind of just like she's, she was very inconsistent but people still had aspen lad a, a part of that you know top end of the division and I, I really do think that the previous performance against Danielle Wolf was a solid one. Uh I would have thought she would have got the finish in that one. Landed two of two takedowns in that fight, got a knockdown. Her striking's pretty damn solid. She's very strong. I think her grappling's ever improving, especially her takedown defense. Carol Hosa is the same fighter that against Jocelyn Edwards. She landed a ton of takedowns, landed four of six. But like she was hit a lot in that matchup and she was hurt a lot in that matchup. And, you know, Jocelyn Edwards is solid. I don't think she should have won that fight last weekend or the weekend before. I really do not think that she won against Putulova. But, you know, needless to say, I think Jocelyn can at least make things interesting on the feet. But if Jocelyn Edwards is having success, I really think that Aspen Ladd, I mean that uh Norma Dumont's gonna have a ton of success on the feet, too. And I'm going to go you know, away from the public here and I'm going to be picking Norman Dumont. I, I think that Dumont wins a decision here. Not really my favorite, um, favorite fight from a DFS perspective. And I can see if people are, are like, well, if I'm getting to anything in this fight, at least I'm going to get to something that's going to allow me some, uh, roster flexibility and get to the high priced options. And that's why Carol is making it into a ton of lineups. And that's why Jared Gordon is too. But as far as fight film and everything, I'm going to be sad with Norman Dumont. I think she picks up another victory here.
0: Just uh, pulled up the, the the odds on this one, just to see what the over two and a half rounds is.
1: Minus 300. No,
0: higher, minus 420. Oh,
1: yeah, <laughs> I mean, be careful with this fight. I, I'm, I'm probably going to skip it in some of mine, but every now and then we see everybody get away from these high highly inflated flights to go the distance. And it's just like, of course, nobody's on it and it, a, a weird stoppage happens
0: yeah I mean I, I think if you're from a betting side if I was going to attack anything I'd probably be looking at taking either one of these fires win via decision uh, Hosa yeah. plus 170 Dumont plus 135 I mean I think that's where uh, f- from a DFS aspect really do you don't want to go there now a fight that uh, I don't feel comfortable getting to but I think is a, a fight that we have to get to in DFS this week that's this heavyweight matchup between Junior yeah. Taffa and Mohamed Usman minus 110 on each side Junior Taffa a 200 8,000 for Muhammad Usman Um, you know, look, I, I just, I've, there was a time where I, I kind of, I liked the athletic ability I saw early on in Muhammad Usman's MMA career, but I've just, I've been down on this guy. Um, this is one of those ones where I, I, I'm going to have a, I'm going to be well over the field in terms of what we're seeing in ownership projection here. Um, I'll have more junior Tafa than I'll have Muhammad Usman, but I'm like, I, to me, this is one of those fights where you talk about inside the distance. I don't think this thing's going 15 minutes
1: yeah i think the price point makes this pretty pretty difficult to you know pivot away from especially given the nature of junior tafa and the volatility that everybody sees on fight film with muhammad usman um he is not his brother kamaru usman at all doesn't rely on the takedowns as much as kamaru usman has he can pick up takedowns he attempted one in his uh, ultimate fighter finale against zach Palga, was unsuccessful in that one granted I picked Zach Palga there. I thought that it was an extremely winnable matchup. Trains with great training partners. Um, going up against a guy who makes a ton of mistakes on the feet, I thought Palga was going to pick him apart en route to a KO or TKO finish. I was wrong. Muhammad Usman threw 40 significant strikes, probably 20 windmills, closed-eye strikes, landed only 12, but one of those was enough to land a knockdown and a uh, hammer fist follow-up for a knockout victory in round two. Mohammed is a big guy. And you know, in this division, all of these guys are alive to knock each other out. It doesn't take the more skilled fighter to win all the times. And that's what makes MMA DFS pretty frustrating at times because you can, you know, do all the research, check out all the fight film, but you, you have so many factors. You got judges, injuries, you know, t- so many to even, you know, too many to name, but I think there's a ton of holes within Muhammad Usman's game that we're all waiting to like rear its ugly head, and this could be the matchup. Man, Junior Tafa, I think is better than Justin Tafa.
0: I I do. I
1: think Junior Tafa is damn good. I think he's damn good. He's an excellent striker, boxing pedigree, kickboxing pedigree. um, You know, picked up some MMA fights. Was was signed. To the contender series before he even had an mma fight so he's he's relatively new to mma and if i'm muhammad usman i'm lacing up my wrestling shoes and i'm putting him on his back or attempting to do so i think that junior Tafa's range his striking skills and everything are just going to be too much He, he goes to the body he's gonna as long as if this fight stays on the feet i think he knocks out muhammad usman i really do and i made this mistake in the past where juliana miller who was the ultimate fighter winner I picked her again, and I kind of used you know, fight film and everything I saw on tape. And then the extra factor was, well, she just won the ultimate fighter. I don't think she's going to win to this fighter, this random fighter. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make that same mistake here. I, I think Mohamed Usman's going to lose, and I think Junior Tafa is going to knock him out. So I'm going to be a little bit aggressive on Junior Tafa, but this is a volatile division.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the yeah. things of, you know, if Usman's going to take this one down, I think going to take down route and, and someone mentioned that yep. in, in the comments. I think that's a way to go here. But um, I, you know, just looking, I'm, I'm actually surprised the ownership projections are not higher than what they currently are Same. just because of I, I, I feel like this is going to be one of those weeks where I really utilize groups a lot. And really utilizing a group of these two heavyweight matchups with this one in the main event of, you know, putting, putting a combination of, of the two of those guys together. Next up, we got a matchup that I already know Pete is already, uh, he's got he's got a little bit of a good feel on this one. Francis Marshall, oh William Gomez, uh, Marshall minus 210 betting favorite, plus 175 for Gomez, uh, 9,200 on for Marshall and 7,000 for William. Pete, which thoughts?
1: Yeah, I don't whiff a lot on these, you know, flag plants. Uh, whiffed pretty bad on the Steven Peterson one. That was like the historical historically worst one ever. Um, but I really think that Francis Marshall is a legitimate, you know, content, not not contender, but a, a name to circle with in his division. Um, I don't think that his best game is striking. I see a chin up in the air. Um, I see powerful punches. He throws everything at a hundred percent. I think that we're going to see the other parts of his game in this matchup against uh, William Gomez and I think it's important because Gomez is frustrating on the feet, um, pretty technical and kind of slick. So I think the range of Gomez and just his evasiveness is going to make Francis Marshall have to, you know pivot to something else within this matchup And he is a fantastic wrestler with good jiu-jitsu but excellent ground and pound and mat return capability as well. So I think Francis Marshall is going to break the slate this week. I'm pretty bullish on it, um, and I'm going to get to a significant amount of him. I just saw so many mistakes on the mat that William Gomez was you know, making. Outside the UFC, he has picked up a very nice guillotine choke win. So if Francis Marshall is going to take down route, he needs to be wise leaving his neck out there. I think that Francis Marshall can win this in multiple ways, and I can't really say the same about William Gomes. Uh, Picking up a decision win against Jarno Ahrens doesn't really impress me much. Threw 70 significant strikes, landed 32, went 3 of 5 in the takedown department, defended two takedowns himself, uh, and had eight minutes of control time. But tons of mistakes in the submission department, getting put in bad positions, nearly submitted. I think Francis Marshall, you know, just he might take him to takedown city. And this could be a 15-minute decision, but I I think it could be a ton of accumulation of everything. Strikes, submission attempts, could be a late finish too, but uh, give me Francis Marshall here at 9,200. Keep that chin down, kid, and uh, I think you pick up another win.
0: Two more fights here to break down here before we get out here on this episode of Fight HQ's preview. Of course, uh, be sure to smash that thumbs up button if you're watching us on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get over a thousand subscribers here and of course uh, you can check the show out on the podcast platforms as well Out podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio if you want to listen to it from the audio side. Of course, a uh, rate review that really does help us out. Of course, be sure to uh, uh get in our Discord channel totally free to join. A great conversation we have in there each and every week about everything going on in the world of MMA. Talk about various picks place you, know, you know pizza i've been nailing these uh these pfl picks uh, i'm sure he'll have some uh bellator picks coming you know but there is a bellator card, two bellator cards this weekend um Ooh. yeah there's uh there is a couple of ones i think that are interesting lines over there and i'm trying to i think I haven't, it's on. I haven't
1: even looked at it i'm pulling it up right now
0: I think it's on the Friday card. There was a a line that I saw that I was that stuck out to me. I'm just pulling this up here.
1: is only minus 250 against Ray Borg.
0: That's one. Um, Yeah. Why can I not find Bellator 294 on the best fight odds? Uh, It it was the it was a Sarah McMahon fight was the one that stuck out to me.
1: So I don't know what. Yeah, but it's crazy, man. I can't find that either, but I'm seeing the the other card for them. Um, on the the 22nd, so it's Saturday. So,
0: yeah, yeah, you got yeah. uh, yeah, two, two cards there. Um, I, I really do love that stats and mixed fight. I think it's, that's a great matchup there. Uh, but of course, we got two more matchups here on the UFC card. You got Silva taking on Catch Aware, Catch Aware, a plus 165 betting underdog, minus 200 for Silva. Silva, she is 9,100 on DK, Catch Aware is 7,100, and Catch Aware is one of these underdogs, Pete, that's got my eye this week.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you at all, and um, you know, it's women's MMA, so you, you can't for me personally, I can't I can't plant the flag on a lot of fighters. There's few that I will, like um, you know, Blanchfield planted a flag on her. That's I think that's one in a million. Um, but Priscilla Cashuera and Karine Silva, I think they're they're it's a close fight, right? There's more volatility surrounding Priscilla Cashewara, who keeps her hands completely low. You know that she's a um She's susceptible to submission defeats as well. Her grappling skills aren't up to par. Uh, we have Karine Silva, who you know looked good in her debut against Poliana Botelho. Solid Muay Thai striker, um, hitter with a big overhand in route to a beautiful darsh choke. Um, so, like she on the contender series, she picked up a guillotine. She has great head and arm chokes, which I really like. So she she goes from either a guillotine or a darsh choke. She can go to an anaconda as well. Her grappling skills, I think, are what could be the difference maker in this matchup? It's the cardio that I think is interesting. Um, she, you know, they, they credited her with one takedown in that fight against uh, Poliana Botelho, but it was kind of, you know, bang bang where she landed that overhand. Botelho looked like she was going down anyways. Um, the grappling's interesting here, but Priscilla Casaguará is having another camp at uh, MMA Masters, and I do think a coach and Daniel Valverde is significant in improving your grappling skills. And I I do think that the more time Priscilla Cachoeira gets on the mat and rounds out that part of her game, the more dangerous she is. Like she's on a two-fight win streak against Ji Yong Kim and picked up a very quick win over Ariana Lipski. When she knows she hurts you, she's like a a shark who smells blood in the water. And I think just like the pressure – and the heavy, heavy strikes kind of make her opponents mentally check out a lot of the times. So that's why like Priscilla Casuera in an underdog position is an excellent play. But this is the same fighter who got subbed against Jillian Robertson and was resulting to eye-gouging to to get out of it, um, and then a submission defeat to Valentina Shevchenko. But I'm still going to pick Kareem Silva, just because I do think she is... The more polished MMA fighter at the moment, but be careful with this. Like I, I can see slate breaking potential for both of them. Kareem Silva can pick up a, a quick submission finish or a decision, and you know, en route to tons of takedowns. But I, I really think that there is development looming here around Priscilla Casagüey. So it's not going to be a flag plant for me. It'll be some split exposure either side. But as far as pick, I'm going to go with Kareem Silva still.
0: Yeah, I just feel like for me, catch where might make a uh, roster construction very easy when I'm hand building yeah. some volumes especially on, on that cash aspect. And our opening fight of the night got not taking on Brady. He stand Dana at minus one fifty betting favorite, plus one twenty five for He stand, a seven hundred for Denah on DK, seventy five hundred for Brady Pete. Which thoughts?
1: I hope I'm not wrong with this, but like I feel like this is. I was expecting a much higher salary for Danab Akari against Brady Heastan. And Brady Heastan's a fighter that I, I really like. I really like him. And I like his grappling potential, I like his uh, takedown potential. He's like the little engine that could. And, and that was on full display against Ricky Tercios, where he went six of 11 in the takedown department. So tons of, tons of takedowns, excellent work rate, slight breaking potential um but like he's he's green on the feet a little bit and I, I think that he can be hit um make some mistakes and i think defensively it's a dangerous fight to be going up there against the nawbakree this is the same fighter who made quick work of Guido Canetti Kevin Natividad Brandon Davis um even had Chris Gutierrez on skates and hurt um but like the grappling skills of of uh, Dana Bakery have haven't been up to par and that's why this is an interesting matchup and Brady has clear takedown city potential and, and could break the slate here but I think the most likely scenario for Dana Bakery is that training at Fight Ready, one of the best you know wrestling camps in the game today, if not the best, they will prepare you and get you, get you ready for a matchup like this, I, I think that Dena Bakari knocks out Brady Heastan. And I, I think it happens pretty early. So, um, Dena can grapple. It's not like Dena's horrible. Uh, it's just like it's not his game. He can grapple enough. He can offensively grapple. He landed a takedown against Chris Gutierrez. But, like, I want to see him defend more takedowns than he has. So, I'm picking the knob but this is opening matchup. I, I think is going to be optimal, man. Uh, and I, I think the knob is going to pick up a knockout
0: and, and don't forget along with that wrestling that they have there at fight ready. chaw who's a striking coach is, is an amazing, oh, yeah. you know, is, is an amazing striking coach. Uh, let's get into our straight up fight picks here. Main event. Uh, even though, uh, in GPPs, I'm going to go with, uh, Pavlovich. I'm going to get a good amount of him. I, I think Curtis boys gets this one done.
1: Agree. Curtis Blades. <sighs>
0: Man, this, the, the co-main event is, uh, I'm going to take Tavares, but, man, don't feel good.
1: Okay, I'm going to go Bruno Silva. I'm just going to think that he rebounds. Uh, I'll go Bobby Green. I got to root for my boy. I got to do the Billy Quarantino <laughs> blind. I got <laughs> to root for my boy, Jared Gordon.
0: Let's just say the uh, the place I was at watching the fights, uh, it got a little quiet Uh, when that knee
1: landed. Poor, poor Billy Q. Man,
0: man, that was a pff, cool Beautiful knee, though. Beautiful knee. There it uh, was. So, some, I mean, you know this. Sometimes you just got you know, you to go, damn, man, I got caught.
1: You know? That's what Billy Q did. He, yeah. he appreciated it. He was like, they were talking after the fight. I thought that was so cool. So
0: Yeah. Uh, give me Lucinda.
1: Yeah, Lucinda. Uh,
0: I will go with my first underdog in uh, Smellsburger.
1: Yeah, smellsburger for me, underdog. I'm going to go underdog number two, Christos Chagos. Same. Christos Iagos for me, another underdog. I think it's a close fight, though.
0: Yeah. Uh, I like Montel Jackson. Just hope he doesn't wrestle.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Montel Jackson. But like I said, GPPs, I'm going Yahani Yaya like crazy.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would go Norman Dumont. Norman Dumont? Uh, give me Junior Taffa.
1: Junior Taffa for I me as go well. Francis Marshall. Francis Marshall.
0: Give me Priscilla Cachoeira.
1: Okay. I don't hate it at all. I'm going Karine Silva.
0: And then uh, I do like uh, Dana in the opening fight.
1: Dana Bakari for me as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I do. Wonder I know Samuel mentioned his over/under number. Let me just see what that was. Six and a half. Let
1: me see. I mean,
0: I, I Samuel, I'll say I think it's a good number.
1: I'm gonna say under. I say, I say we got six.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm looking looking at the fights to say. High probability goes. I think under is probably the right call there, but uh, yeah. yeah. Um, in, in terms of like you know, favorite core plays, cash, GPP, uh, GPPs, uh, I think you got to look at the main event, you got to look at Tafa, Usman, um, and then I would say Wells, Smellsburger would be in terms of GPPs in cash. I think I'll get to Bobby green as a core play in cash is cause I feel, pre- I feel pretty confident he gets done. My only concern is, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to need probably two fighters underneath 7,500 to make that work.
1: Yeah, I agree with your first two assessments and that the main event is a priority for, you know, for your core. And, and I do agree that the Tafa Usman is a priority for your core as well. That's, that's how I would set my groups as well. The third group is debatable. Like you can lean one way or another, but I think that those first two you kind of hit the nail on the head.
0: Uh, let's see here. Uh, highest chances of fires being optimal. I mean, look, look. I look at Curtis Blades uh, just because of what he could do with the wrestling aspect of that fight. I mean, he could he could rack up a ton of control time. Um, we just know what he does on the ground. I mean, to me, he he would be the one that that would stick out to me. Just labeling out a fighter. Um, I don't know if there's another Fire you have that that sticks out to you.
1: Um, no, I think I think that's like pound for pound, he's probably the best fighter out there, price wise. Yeah. Um, I I think that's where I would lean is eighty eight hundred. I've seen more out of him than a lot of these other fighters. Like I, I wouldn't say that Bakari, who's similar price tag to him, is a a preferred play i mean he is three and three in the ufc whereas tw- curtis blaze is 12 three and one so yeah. much rather lean towards the elite
0: in terms of like leverage plays and, and top darts for me the dart would be honey aya if if he yeah. can somehow be able to work his submission i mean that that to me is the one he's clearly a leverage play um lucindo i think is another leverage spot but you know you got to pay up to get her that would just to me it's getting her as a ownership play more than anything else
1: yeah, I will mean, tell you what—if people aren't getting on Priscilla Cachoeira, I'm—I like to double exposure on a lot mm-hmm. of these underdogs that people don't get to, um, at least. And uh, you know, I, I would agree with you as far as a high-priced fighter. Lucindo is flying under the radar as you know a fighter nobody really wants to to go against.
0: Uh, in terms of, uh, to me, my favorite captain would be Curtis Blaze just because of what he can do with the grappling and racking up points. Um, you know, that, that one would stick out to me. Um, same type of thought as the MVP champion. Curtis Blaze is probably the one that, that sticks out to me the most just because of, um, you know, the fantasy score upside of how he can just rack up points.
1: I would agree with you. Does the winner of this main event get the winner of Jones and Miocic? Interesting.
0: Uh, I would lean yes. Um depending on when
1: all timetable related.
0: Uh, yeah, it's depending on when they can put this fight together, it, it sounds like the UFC wants to put this in MSG, which would be in November. So <laughs> I, I would imagine that maybe the the winner of this fight gets put on that card as essentially a backup option in case something were to happen. But um I, I would definitely say if Blades gets to win, I think he's gotta be uh right there. Uh three best bets.
1: Um good luck. I'm gonna go with (laughs) Hmm. I'm gonna go with Francis Marshall as my one. Dana Bakery as my two. Where the hell do we go for three? I don't wanna put a six minus six hundred favorite in there. Oh god. Do we go Semmelsberger? I think we do. And I, that parlay of Francis Marshall, I don't I don't really like that. I mean, Jeremy Wells is so damn dangerous. And I was going to do Lucindo at minus 350, but it is women's MMA. Um, Francis Marshall minus 210. Dana Beckery minus 140. Samuelsberger minus 105. Sit you with a parlay at plus 394. I think that's pretty solid.
0: Yeah. I was just, uh, I wasn't kind of in the show. I was going to look at the belt. I still haven't found the belt toward 294 odds. Um, Same. But um, Arlene Blinko. Um, is one to look at there. Um, I think uh, with a uh, certain man coming up in weight of how that can look there. Uh, you you mentioned about Koji or Gucci minus 250. Um, That's
1: cheap, in my opinion. I
0: mean, Rafael Stott's getting plus money, I think it is interesting. Plus 100. Um, Just kind of scrolling down to see if something... Oh, okay, so the Bellator 294 is underneath the Bellator 295. That's what it is here.
1: That makes a ton of sense, right? Yeah,
0: Arlene Blanco plus 165 is is probably an underdog to look at there. Um, Not too much jumps off the table to me when when I look at these Bellator odds.
1: Yeah, nothing crazy for me. Um, You know, I I think the Alon Cruz sitting there at minus 105 against Bobby Green, minus 115. I mean, like, we've heard a lot about Alon Cruz. I know that you're pretty familiar with him, but, like, we haven't really seen it, you know, like... Bobby King's been a guy yeah. that's been picking up some wins he shouldn't be picking up.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a, a good fight there. Um, Alon uh, Tampa guy. Um, you know he recently signed with Bellator. He had when he uh, got released by the UFC, he fought in Fury. I want to say, want say he picked up two wins in Fury. I want to say one or two. I I know I know he had a fight that was supposed to happen that got ca- canceled. I want to think two days before the fight or something like he was in texas uh for the yeah. fight uh but yeah that's uh you know you know obviously i'll have my players on for a long cruise
1: absolutely i will tell you right as far as a bonus bet risky bet and i know you guys are asking about it like you know we had pedro munoz come come through for us last week in a massive spot just saying honey yaya to win by submission is plus 900 to me not- if he wins that's his only path to yeah. victory
0: Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, yeah, absolutely no doubt about it. But of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of here on Fight HQ. Of course, I'll we back uh next week as uh next week is uh that is the now Ricky Simone and Song Yudong fight. And then of course, the following week will be the UFC pay-per-view Aljamain Sterling taking on Henry Cejudo. That's a that's a fight that uh, I'm actually interested. I've it's been kind of interesting to see. I'm not seeing a lot of love for Henry Cejudo. It's kind
1: of I'm I'm interested I'm, by that. I'm going to be on the Henry Cejudo side, just so everybody knows. I will be as
0: well. But, of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in. As always, here on Fight HQ, of course, if you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to do that. Hit that thumbs up on the video, and we will talk to you next week right here on Fight HQ.